Again, welcome to all of you in person, all of you guys online. And for those that were expecting Steve Hage, my apologies. Um, uh, Steve is not here. Uh, you may have noticed I got a call on Wednesday that he was not going to be able to be here. Um, and for those that don't know me, I am Pastor Daniel, and I am excited to be here. Uh, I was looking forward to Steve myself, but uh, Wednesday night I got, I got home and I was like, all right, well, Steve's not going to be there. God, well, what do you want to do? What do you want to say? And I felt like just in a moment that God gave me a direction that I am excited for tonight. Um, I want to talk a bit about invisible pain. Um, I don't know how many of you guys have ever gotten hurt. Anyone ever get hurt? Anyone have any scars to prove that they got hurt? Okay, scars, okay, at least this is for guys. It may be totally different for girls. I've never been a girl, so I don't know. But um, scars can be like badges of honor. Like a battle wound, you're like, yeah, check out what I survived. Like, yep, I don't even know how I got it. Like, what'd you do? I don't know. That tough, yep. <laughs> it just, there's this thing about the times that you, that you get hurt and it leaves an awesome mark. It leaves this like massive bruise and you're like, yes, that's when I, whatever. Um, hopefully it was something cool. But sometimes you're like, that's when I got out of bed and stepped on a toy and, and like, but maybe that's just because I have kids. But anyways, um, but it's frustrating when we get injured or when we get hurt and it's invisible. Um, my parents have a place up north and we have fun getting to go up there, but there's something about their bed and the end of the bed frame that just kind of sticks out that is my wife's nemesis. And like, she kept, like, like every time we go up there, she'd run into the end of this thing and she'd be like, oh, it hurts. But there'd be like no mark and she was so frustrated. So the one time we were up there and she nailed it consistent with all of the other times, but it left a big old bruise. She's like, do you see this? Do you see this? That's what it's like every time. <laughs> I'm like, all right, all right. I believe you. But it, but it can be weird. And it, it's this strange thing when you're hurting and nobody can see it. But you're still hurting. Um, I often am hurting and don't know why. I just kind of like, oh, what'd you do? I don't know. I ran into something. I, I don't know. So this week, but like a lot of times I have a mark and I don't know how I got the mark. But this time I was hurting, but there was no mark to show for it. I'm, I, I still like, I'm not even positive of what I did. There's options. Um, I, took, I took the day off on Wednesday. And I took a couple of kids up north and we hung out with my, with my dad and um, I may have gotten hit in the back with a rock at a high velocity of speed. Um, they got launched from a mower, which might have something to do with it. Or it was the tubing, because we were tubing oh, yeah. rough, um, very, very rough. I may have ripped the tube in two. Um, like, you just, we were having a good time, but afterwards, I'm back in the boat, and I'm like, am I sitting up against something, like, sharp over here? And then I'm like, no, I'm like, like loosening the straps on my, my vest. I'm like, why? What is it? pinching me? And I'm like, I must have just, like, bruised my back really good. And... Like, as the day goes on, it gets more sore, and I, I get home, I'm like, man, like, I can't, like, twist, take a deep breath. This is lame. Like, what kind of a bruise do I got? And I, I look in the mirror, and I'm like, I got nothing. But I, like, I, like, take a deep breath, and it hurts. And then I, I notice something. I'm like, hey, love, can you, like, poke me? Like, which is not, I know, it's kind of weird, but 
I'm like, can you poke like right about like here? And she pokes on the outside of my ribs and it doesn't hurt. And I twist and I'm like, oh, that's it. I'm like, I bruised something on the inside of the cage. Like, what is this? This is lame. There's like no mark, but I'm hurting on the inside. And I'm like all like pulling up charts. I'm like, what organ is right about here? I'm like, oh, look, it's my kidney. Um, and like, then you read stuff and you're like, as long as you don't pee blood or pass out or puke, you're okay. I'm like, okay, sweet. But, but it's this weird thing then because I don't look hurt. Um, I am a very physical person. And so one of my students from years gone by saw me this morning. And he was in town, he's in the military, and um, so he sees me, and he gets excited, and he comes running up to, like, give me a slam-into-me kind of hug, and I'm like, oh, gentle! And he's like, what the heck? that's not you, like, that's not, I'm like, just, you can't see it, but I'm hurting right now. Um, and physically, that can be an issue, but do you realize that there are so many people who are hurting right now, but you just can't see it. See, sometimes it's really easy to give somebody a pass or to be sympathetic to somebody that you physically see broken. You look and you're like, you just had surgery. I physically see you're broken. You're wearing a cast. I physically see you're broken. Hey, you just... You know, let me know that you got a positive COVID test. I will see that you're broken from further away and I will send Grubhub. Like, whatever. Like, <laughs> but my, but you, you, when you physically see that somebody's broken, it's easy to respond with love, with grace, with compassion, and with support. But what about when you can't see it? See, now, tonight's what I want to talk about is this invisible pain because there are so many people that are struggling with issues, challenges, and hang-ups, and pain inside. What is God's response, and what is our response supposed to be to those that are brokenhearted, sad, depressed, anxious, dealing with PTSD, shame, regret, guilt, hopelessness, discouragement, self-doubt, fear, past hurts, wounds, failures, addiction, rejection, inadequacy. There is so many different types of pain that we can be dealing with on the inside. I, I, I begin to like write out a list and then I, I thought about my list and I like hollered to, to PJ who sits in the office next to me and like, PJ, talk to me about invisible pain. And he's like, what? And he got to explain things. Then he's like, okay, he listed off a few. And then I walked around the corner to Nikki's office. I'm like, hey, Nikki, talk to me about invisible pain. And the list just kept going and going. And I, I was talking to my mom about the message, and she said, yeah, sometimes our pain is invisible, but it still screams really loud. But sometimes, as Christians there's an extra stigma to emotional pain. Sometimes as Christians, we can feel like we're not allowed to have it. And we can, there can be this idea that, well, well, as a Christian, the joy of the Lord is supposed to be my strength, so I'm not allowed to struggle 
with depression. Well, and we can go through these different things and go, well, am I allowed to deal with um, sadness, depression, anxiety, PTSD, shame, regret, addiction, false identities, discouragement, hopelessness, self-doubt, fear, past hurts, regrets, verbal wounds, failures, parent issues, social expectations, anger, frustration, confusion, rejection, disappointment, or guilt. To name a few. But the list could keep going and going and going. But I begin to look at this and go, well, what's God's response? And I, I saw something, and this is, this is where it started. I sat on my couch and I asked God, God, what do you want to say this Sunday night? What do you have for them? Isaiah chapter 61 and Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Um, in Luke 4, 18, Jesus quotes Isaiah 61, and he says this is his mission. This is why he came. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Isaiah 61. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. And I just kind of stopped there. The brokenhearted? The, to bind up is the Hebrew word habas. Okay, I just butchered that That. Anyways, it's Hebrew word 2280 if you have a Strong's and you want to look it up and check on me. But it means to bandage or to wrap up. He wants to take the broken pieces of hearts and bend down and pick them up and then wrap them up and bandage and heal hearts. And somehow that often gets missed. Somehow, we look and we go, well, you came to forgive sins. And maybe you came to heal broken bodies. And we forget that Jesus said, I came to heal broken hearts. I came to heal emotional wounds that nobody might know about. Maybe everybody knows that you're broken inside or maybe nobody knows. Maybe you put on a great front and you stand in front of the mirror at night brushing your teeth and you go, who am I? What's this lie that I put up for everybody else? I'm broken and hurting inside. And God goes, I came to heal the broken hearts. And, but, but so often when we don't understand what he comes for, instead of bringing our brokenness to him, we try to stuff it. We try to hide it. Well, maybe if nobody knows, it doesn't count. Maybe I can just fake it till I make it. And what we end up doing is just isolating ourselves. See, if I'm unwilling to tell you that I'm hurting, I'm afraid of your hard hug. At least my students, because they're going to come in and hug me for real. So I can admit that I have a problem, or I can put distance between me and them. And a lot of us, instead of admitting that we're hurting, have put distance between us and anybody who cares enough to get close enough to see that we're broken. And when we're isolated, it furthers brokenness. And that's a whole other message of, of, of the danger of isolation, but 
But what I want you to see is that Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. It says that he's near to the broken heart. This is Psalm 34, 18. It says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saved the crushed in spirit. Again, I got to do, um, uh, I'm Hebrew word 7665 instead of sabar. sabar. Okay, I don't know. My pronunciation of Hebrew and Greek is just not good. Um, like I like, you can like listen to it on your computer and I listen to it. And if I'm like standing right there and just pushed play, I can repeat it. But like five minutes later, I'm like, what was that again? That's not what those letters say to me. But anyways, all right. So to be broken in pieces or crushed um, is Hebrew 1793, which comes from 1792, the ka, the ka. Okay. Crushed literally or figuratively, figuratively contrite. This is what it means. The Lord is near to those that are broken in pieces or those that are crushed by remorse. And I begin to look at how many people are so broken, but instead of going that God wants to be near them, they're going, can I hide? Because I'm not supposed to be broken. Christians are supposed to have it all together. And so instead of running to God, they run from him. And sometimes emotional things, the things that are logical emotionally are actually incredibly stupid. I don't know if you've ever realized this, that when someone's on like an emotional high, they make poor decisions. Anyone ever encountered, ever made a poor decision on an emotional high of some sort? Maybe it was anger, maybe it was um, Twitter-pated, I don't know, but like you did something. But here's... Here's the thing, like, if I was to tell you that God's desire for Christians is for them to be healthy, I don't think any of you guys would be like, what? So you go, okay, yeah, that's his desire. It, yes. If I was to follow it up with going, does God love sick people? You'd say, well, yes. Of course God loves sick people. Man, and if you look through the Gospels, sick people came in droves to find Jesus. They tracked him down no matter where he was. Wherever he went, they said that they would bring all of the sick to him because they're like, there's somebody and there is hope. There is healing in Jesus. So we're going to line up and we're going to wait because if we're there, we have a chance to be made whole. And they followed him. Okay, just like Jesus wants to heal people physically, he wants to heal people emotionally. And so instead of hiding our brokenness, we need to run with our brokenness to Jesus. And when we do, it, it brings and we find healing. And I go, well, this, when I start to talk about this, it seems so obvious. So like, why would people not run to Jesus with their broken? And uh, I, I found, I don't know if you, you realize, I love the church. I absolutely love the church. I love our church. I love church. Now, the church, not Res Life, but just churches in general, um, there's a couple reputations that they have that aren't good. I don't know if you're aware of this. Maybe you are so in-depth, in-res life that you just love church and don't know that there are churches with broken. But even, even at res life, we have broken because we're full of people and all of us people have some brokenness. 
one of the things that churches sometimes are known for, have you ever heard someone make a comment about churches being judgy? Anyone ever heard such of a comment? Okay, the rest of you, you've been at Res so long, I love it. But, um, but there's a thing where, where sometimes, and I looked and said, you know, well, is this, is this a new thing? Is this why people don't turn to Jesus with their, their brokenness, why they're hiding them? But this is not new. In fact, in John chapter 9, Jesus comes across somebody who is blind. And they, they come across this blind guy. And in, so in verse 1, it says, hey, they pass by a guy who was blind from birth. Verse 2. So the first thing his disciples do when they see a blind guy was not, oh, can I help you? It wasn't like, hey, can I give you... Um, some money for lunch since you're not going to get much work done right now. Like it wasn't, Jesus, can you heal him? It wasn't, can we heal him? It was, hey, Jesus, who sinned? Can I blame him or do I blame his parents? Can I judge somebody? And that was, that was the response. And they come up to Jesus and Jesus is like, that's not what it's about. Hey, come here. And then, then this story gets weird. Uh, Pastor Wayne talked about things that you don't understand. This is on my list. Jesus calls this guy forward, and the guy's like, yay, Jesus called me. Yeah. Hey, I can see the blind guy, because he can't see, but he knows that sound. What's going on? Jesus, like, hacks, spits in the mud, makes some mud, and puts it, or spits in the dirt, makes some mud, and puts it on the guy's eyes. And he's like, go wash. Thanks. I've been mocked by kids for being blind before, but you're the first one to make mud, rub it on my face, and be like, here, go wash. Like, that's... Anyways, I don't know why Jesus chose to do it this way. But he goes, he washes, and he sees. And, and, and I was amazed that they're like, so you have their problem, the, the disciples, and they're like, well, who can we blame? And Jesus is like, let's heal him. Who can we blame? Well, no, let's just heal him. And then he goes in front of the Pharisees, the religious people of that day, and they're all like quizzing him on how did you get healed? And this doesn't make sense to us. And we don't understand it. And he's like, I told you, he's there, he made mud, he put it on my eyes, I washed, I can see, this is awesome. And they're like, how, what happened again? He's like, I just told you. And, and they're like, well, what, tell us in detail. He's like, I did tell you in detail. Do you want to become his disciples too? And, and they're like, what? We're disciples of Moses. And, and they go through just um, ridiculing him and they go, you were born in utter sin and you would teach us and they cast him out. The dude gets healed, and you're mad. Do you just want to try to point out some sin? Like, what is going on? And there are times when somebody is struggling with something, and it's sin-related or it's stupid-related. Sometimes someone's like, I don't have any money. And that's like, you're, you can you kind of want to respond, and you're like, that's because you don't have a job. Um, and they're like, well, I don't have a job. You're like, you know what starts? Apply for one. They're like, what? But like, sometimes there's, like, Principles, and you're like, hey, yes, you are struggling because you are doing something stupid. Your finger keeps hurting because you keep hitting it with a hammer. Stop. Like, there are, there are times where, where, yes, it is appropriate to help them see the reason that they're in a mess. Um, but they weren't about helping him see 
how to get whole. They were about trying to point out why other people were broken so they could feel better about themselves. The Bible talks about those who compare themselves among themselves. It says they are not wise. They were about separating themselves from others to try to feel better about themselves. And I've seen this in my Bible. I've seen this in the church where people will go through or they'll sit here and and someone prays and doesn't get healed from something or someone has an issue and they just want to go, well, that's because you, you didn't, you aren't, you haven't. And I just loved Jesus' response. They're like, well, who sinned and who do we blame? And Jesus like, well, let's heal them. Well, why are they broken? Doesn't matter. They're broken. What do you do with broken things? You fix them. Or you throw them away. But God's not going to throw you away. So he fixes them. But so often we're afraid that he's going to take the throw it away approach that we refuse to admit that we're broken. And he goes, no, no, I love you. I want to heal you. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless coming, till the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wanted to do a work in you, spirit, soul, and body. But do you realize that most Christians go, yes, Jesus wants to forgive my sins and make my spirit new. And in, in, at least if you're in our church, you're going to realize like, hey, he wants to make my body whole and well. And there are, you know, Christians around will go through. By his stripes, we are healed. But do you realize that he wants to heal your soul, your mind, will, and emotions? These spots that are so full of hurt and brokenness that no matter who else sees it, God wants to bring healing there. He goes through and in, in Romans 15, verse 13, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace um, in believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit may abound in hope. In 2 Thessalonians three sixteen, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way the Lord be with you. I feel like I don't use a lot of Greek, but okay, or uh, Hebrew, but erhin is the word peace in Greek. Um, many of you guys are more familiar with the word shalom, which is the Hebrew peace. This one carries all of its meaning. Um, I, w- I was looking up kind of this definition of peace in my Translator's New Testament, and it says it contains three different things here. It's, it's prosperity and well-being to which a man... Um, peace is to wish every conceivable blessing from God, everything that will be for his present and ultimate good. Two, peace stands for complete harmony in all relationships between, um, uh, between man and between God and man. And it, three, it represents tranquility of mind arising from the assurance of reconciliation with God. He goes, he's wanting you to be made whole in your relationship in your like, circumstances, and in your mind. And I, I just begin to look going, okay, so this is, 
constant. But why is it that so often we run and hide in shame instead of bringing our brokenness and going, God, I'm struggling with fear. God, I'm struggling with anxiety. God, I'm struggling because I don't feel like I'm enough. God, I need help in my mind because these images of things that happened to me are still keep replaying. God, I don't know how to get over these different issues because God wants to bring healing. In fact, he tells us to cast our cares on him. He says, bring it to me. And a lot of times we struggle. And if I spent an entire message on that two weeks ago, just talking about casting our cares on him. I thought it was a good message. If you want to catch it, you can catch it from two weeks ago. But this idea that we've got to cast our cares on him because God cares for us. When God sees broken, he wants to bring healing, but for so many, they just aren't, aren't sure. See, this is his desire for us, and it's his desire to work in us, and it's his desire to work through us. See, Someone came to Jesus and Jesus told him, hey, you need to love your neighbor as yourself. And so the guy's response was, well, who's my neighbor? Like how many doors down? How nice do I have to be to how many people? Can I pick my neighbors? Because there's some people I don't want to be nice to. And, And so, but Jesus' response was to tell the story of the Good Samaritan. I'm gonna like nutshell this. So if you've not heard the story, this is the short version. Um, If you'd like to read the story later, Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. But in short, Jesus tells a story about a man who's headed off from Jerusalem to Jericho, or Jericho to Jerusalem. He's he's on this road. I forget which direction he was going. But on this road, he gets attacked, he gets beat up, robbed, and left for dead. And that's, that's... not the spot you want to be in, but then the priests come by, and you'd think, if anyone's going to help him, the priest is going to help him. But the priest didn't. The priest, like, skipped to the other side of the road, and I have long wondered why the priest did it. I have come up with lots of excuses for him, and lots of things to point fingers at him. Um, there's, there's some rules. If he was headed off to go offer the sacrifice, he needed to be clean. If he touched a dead body, he wouldn't be clean. So I'm like, did he think the guy was dead? Was he trying to remain clean? Was he just selfish and didn't want to like take the time? Was he afraid that the, I don't know. I came up with lots of excuses for him and things to point fingers at him. But the point is he walked around. And then he goes through and he says that a Levite came. And again, this is somebody who works in the priestly ministry, this guy's job is to take care of the holy things. Like this guy's job revolves around ministry. He's supposed to help represent God and like be a connection between God and the people and, and he skips by. And then he says that a Samaritan shows up walking through. Now, when I say a Samaritan to most of you guys, if you didn't grow up in church, you're like, oh, so What? Like the only way that this has context for most of us is this story. But we've encountered some racism. The racism between the Jews and the Samaritans was super deep. And it came from super stupidity, which is where most racism comes from. Uh, It wasn't because they were so incredibly different. It was like, 
we were actually one people, and then they split um, at a certain point in history underneath Rehoboam. The, the kingdom split, and then there was a little bit of different things, and all of a sudden it became a, well, you're, you're not good because you're them, and you're not good, and our way's better. And, you're, and then they ended up like going to war and hating each other, and it got like super intense. So the person who he's hated, and the Jews were kind of famous for looking down upon the Samaritans because they said that they'd intermarried with some of the other cultures, and they were like, well, you're not pure as we are. And so there was this, like, judgment. But the person whom he judged, the person who had been, like, there was all this animosity, stopped. When everyone who should have helped didn't, picked him up, put him on his donkey, took him to an inn, bandaged up his wounds, treated them, and then paid the innkeeper and said, hey, here's to pay for him for, for a while longer. If the bill racks up beyond that, I'll be back. I'll pay the rest. And so he tells this story and the, the Pharisees are like, they're, they're just like got a scowl because you're making out the bad guy to be the good guy. And it just doesn't make sense to them because how could the Samaritan be the good guy? And so Jesus ends the story and goes, who was a neighbor? the Pharisee could not or would not say the Samaritan. That was, he couldn't say a Samaritan was good. So his response was, <clears throat> the one who helped him. I was like getting my kids to confess something. It's like, <laughs> tell your brother you're sorry. Mm, so sorry. Um, but Jesus ended this and he goes, you go and do likewise. He ends this going, the story isn't about the people in the story. The story is about you. You have a job. Will you be a neighbor to somebody? Will you love and help somebody? Will you take someone who's broken and hurting, and instead of pointing out the fact that they're broken and hurting, can you help them? And see, <clears throat> Jesus, Jesus' love and ministry wasn't supposed to stop with Jesus. It's supposed to be carried on in us. In my notes somewhere, it's in Corinthians uh, 5.18. It says, Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, making his appeal through us. You and I are commissioned by God to carry his love to others and to reconcile them. Just as we encounter brokenness in ourselves and want his love and grace, we're supposed to be his love and grace to those around us. See, God wants to make them well so much. God, God loves and God feels. <clears throat> Sometimes as Christians, we can be heartless. Um, and, and we can be heartless from faith. This is like this weird, awkward state where it's like, well, we'll just, I'm just going to pray for you. It's going to be better. So I don't need to have compassion because I'm going to heal you. And, and, and we can be rude. 
Um, I want to show you a story quick. I don't have a lot of time, but I, I want to show you this story. Uh, when Lazarus died, Lazarus was Jesus' friend. Word gets to Jesus that Lazarus is sick and he stays two more days and then he goes to leave and his disciples, they're talking to him about it and he's like, well, Lazarus is asleep. And they're like, great, he's going to get better. And he's like, no, not that kind of sleep. He died. But for your sake, I'm glad because you're going to see. And so that's a weird but Jesus just stated he knows what happened and he knows what's about to happen. Now, fast forward, Jesus shows up in Bethany where Lazarus is from and Lazarus' sisters show up to Jesus and they're like, Jesus, if only you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And most Christians' response would be, stop crying, check out what God's gonna do. This is gonna be awesome. And like that, that's what most of us would do. We'd be like, are you ready for a miracle? <sighs> Dead man's coming. Alive. Like we would have had like this like arrogant, cocky thing if we, were, if we were as confident as Jesus in what was about to happen. I, I say most of us, and I really can't blame all of you. I can say personally, I probably would not have walked with much tact. I would have walked in with a lot of excitement about what God was going to do. And Jesus was full of excitement for what God was going to do, but he walked in love. In fact, when he showed up and Mary comes to him and begins to, to share, <clears throat> and here's some Bible, free, free Bible trivia for you. Shortest verse in the Bible, John chapter 11, verse 35. Jesus' response was, Jesus wept. And that, that blew me away because why do you cry for a dead guy who's not going to be dead in 20 minutes? Because he's not crying for a dead guy. He's crying for the broken that were in front of him. Because his heart goes out to those that are broken. And if you're broken, I want you to know that his heart is broken for you and that he came to bind up your broken heart. Whether your emotional, your invisible wound is a broken heart, whether it's grief, whether it's loss, whether it's guilt, shame, whether it's fear, whether it's anxiety and depression, I don't care what the issue is. I know that his heart is for you and that he came to heal your heart. And if you say, well, my heart's in perfect shape, been wonderful. You have a job. You've been commissioned to love with his love and grace to those around you. We are called to be his hands and feet. I want to do two things. I want to give an opportunity for those who don't know Jesus because Jesus loves them and the, the greatest work in your heart is when your heart gets made whole and forgiven and made new. But I also want to give it an opportunity because I am aware that there is brokenness in this room. And it might be the people that we'd guess, not that we walk around trying to guess, but it might be people that nobody would guess. But I know that if we walk around hiding, we don't get help. And no one's careful with someone they don't know is hurting.
uh, years ago, I broke my collarbone and I got like a clavicle strap and tried to put my shoulder back in its place because it was sagging. And I put it on underneath my shirt that weekend. I think I broke it on like Friday or Saturday and Sunday I was at church. But I put my clavicle strap underneath my shirt because I thought it would look nicer and it did. But it hid my brokenness. So the people who love you became the people who hurt you because they didn't know that I was broken. So they walk up and they're like, how you doing? And they put your hand on your shoulder. And they're like, what? I'm like, my clavicle's doing this right now. It's moving. It's in two pieces and you just grabbed it. so many people are hiding grief, depression, shame, guilt. They've got nobody walking with them because nobody knows. Tonight, if you're dealing with brokenness, I want to pray for you. And I want to invite you not to do this alone. See, we were, we were commissioned by Jesus to bear one another's burdens. And that doesn't mean you need to post on Facebook to the entire world your deepest, darkest secrets. That's a bad idea. But you should have somebody. Find a Christian who cares and don't walk through this alone. Cast your cares on him. But I want to pray for you. So first... Um, first I want to um, I want to pray for those that are broken if you that you don't have to tell anybody what's going on but if you're dealing with an emotional hurt you're dealing with a hurt that's not physical I listed that whole list earlier and you would like prayer go ahead and stand up and some of you guys are dealing with fears. So this might be kind of hard. But I believe that there's a lot of people that are dealing with something. And it may be depression, anxiety, fear, um, shame, guilt. But I believe God wants to set some people, and the list goes on and on. But God wants to set some people free tonight. Give some people a minute because they're, they're standing up. And if you're online, you can just say, hey, this is me. I don't care if you're watching this a month from now. Say, this is me because the spirit of the Lord is not bound by time. People are about to be set free. People are about to encounter the love and the grace of God. All right. If you're already a believer and you're not standing, extend your hands towards somebody who's standing as an act of faith as we're about to pray for them. God, I thank you that your heart is for the broken and for the hurting, that you came to bind broken hearts. You came to set people free. God, that you are freeing people right now of depression, that the spirit of suicide is being broken off somebody's life right now. Death, you cannot have them. They are the Lord's, that there is healing and there is life. 
God, I thank you for healing for those. God, for forgiveness and a brokenness of shame. God, that it has no place on them any longer. That joy is returning into lives right now. God, I thank you that you are healing and binding up broken hearts. That depression is broken. God, that joy God is being poured out, that anxiety is being broken, that incessant worry is being broken, that addiction is being broken right now. God, I thank you that you are doing a work inside of hearts, that you are mending them, that you are healing them, that you have came and that you poured out your love and your grace for them. Whatever issue it is that they're bringing to you, God, I thank you for healing and for wholeness and for your love and grace that's been poured out on them in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. Can I get you guys all to bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're here and you say, today, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I need the forgiveness that he comes to offer. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to him right now, to know that you're right with God and on your way to heaven. One, two, three. So that's me. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to know that my sins are forgiven, that I'm right with God and on my way to heaven. Awesome. All right, we're going to say a simple prayer. And the Bible says, whoever calls on his name will be saved. So go ahead and repeat after me. Say, God, thank you for loving me even when I make mistakes. I'm sorry for my sins. Thank you for dying and rising again for me for washing my sins away. I choose to live for you from this day forward. I declare that you are my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.